Have you ever felt anxious? And no matter how many Bible verses you read, no matter how many worship songs you listen to, no matter how many promises about God's care for you, you recount, no matter anything you do, you're still anxious. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced this? What's going on here? What's going on here? Why do we not trust the Lord? It could be a lack of faith. It could be a lack of faith, maybe. But for myself, honestly, that's usually not what it is. That's usually not what it is. It's not that I just need to believe harder. I don't think that explains why most of the world is anxious. I don't think that's what it is. What explains it though? Why does our anxiety persist even after reflecting on God's trustworthiness? Well, that's what we're gonna look at this morning. And Jesus is going to give us an answer that you may not expect. You may not expect his answer, but it is an answer that you desperately need. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 19. We're picking up in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We'll have the words on the screen if you don't have your Bibles in front of you. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, our passage breaks up nicely into two sections. Two sections. Verses 19 through 24. Verses 25 through the end of the chapter. There's nothing really complicated about the structure. Nothing really complicated about the structure. And there's nothing really complicated about what Jesus wants for us this morning. He wants two things. Two things. In verses 19 through 24, he wants us to treasure God. And in verses 25 through 34, Jesus wants us to trust God. Treasure and trust. Those are the commands and those are the points for our sermon this morning. It's pretty straightforward. What I find fascinating, though, what I find fascinating is how Jesus connects these two points, how he connects what we treasure to what we trust. After he calls us to make God our treasure, how does he start verse 25? Look down with me. How does he start verse 25 of our passage? Therefore, therefore, lay up treasures in heaven, therefore don't be anxious. Treasure God, therefore trust God. There's something about our treasure that either allows us or doesn't allow us to trust God. If we treasure God, we can trust him. But treasure something else, treasure someone else, therefore be anxious. With just one word, Jesus makes sense of most of the world's anxiety, most of my anxiety. It's really amazing what he does here. He takes these two threads of treasure and trust, and he weaves them together into one truth, one truth. If you'll treasure God more than the cares of this world, then you can trust God through the cares of this world. Did you get that? If you'll treasure God more than the cares of this world, then you can trust God through the cares of this world. And the opposite is true. If you don't treasure God more than the cares of this world, then you won't trust God through the cares of this world. I think you guys get this. If you want the attention of your boss more than the attention of God. And when your coworker gets the job promotion instead of you, you're not gonna be able to trust God then. If you want the approval of your spouse more than the approval of God, then you're not going to trust God when your spouse disapproves of you. If you want the acceptance of God through your own good works instead of the acceptance of God through Christ's perfect work, 
then you're not going to trust God when your sin is exposed. If you don't treasure God, you'll never trust him. And that's what explains most of my anxiety. Maybe most of your anxiety. It's not that we have forgotten God's promises to care for us. We know them. We know them well. We have them memorized. We sing them. We know that we can trust him. The problem is we just don't treasure him. Point number one of our sermon is treasure. Treasure God. Treasure him. And why can't you trust God if you don't treasure God? Why can't you trust God if you don't treasure God? Because he hasn't promised to protect what's most valuable to you. What's most valuable to you is vulnerable. Your greatest treasure is exposed. And we're going to see later in our second point that God cares about the things of earth. He cares about earthly necessities. And he provides for us. But he has not promised to provide for our idols. He has not promised to protect your idols. Your idols are exposed, they're vulnerable. Whether those earthly treasures are taken away slowly through moths and rust, or they're taken away quickly through thieves, they will be taken away. They will be taken away. The novelist David Foster Wallace gave an insightful and considering his eventual suicide a few years later, really a chilling speech to the graduating class of Kenyon College in 2005. Listen to this. It's a bit long, but I think it communicates the point of what Jesus is saying. He says, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they're unconscious. They are default settings. There's a lot we could analyze here, but there's one thing that really stands out to me. One thing. You can't fully protect your earthly treasure. You can't fully protect it. In fact, the very moment earthly treasures enter your hands, they are leaving your hands. The very moment you receive earthly treasures, they are, whether slowly or quickly, leaving your hands. 
treasure physical health, and no matter what you do, there is a fixed countdown of the number of breaths you will breathe here on earth. Treasure power in the workplace, and whether you're fired or you have a successful 40-year career of climbing the corporate ladder, your weaknesses will eventually expose you. You cannot fully protect your earthly treasures. And again, just to be clear, earthly things aren't bad. When we saw that last week, Jesus says to pray for daily bread. 1 Timothy 4.4 says God created everything to be received with thanksgiving. So things like physical health and work are meant to be enjoyed. They're good things. They're not inherently bad things. But they are terrible treasures. They are terrible idols. They take over your heart. They take over your heart, controlling everything else that you do. Let's look at verse 21 again. Verse 21. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder, what comes into your mind when you hear the word heart? What do you think? Or maybe a better question is, what do you think Jesus' audience thought when they heard the word heart? What did his audience think? I think when they heard the word heart, they would have thought of something like the control center. Control center. That's how Jesus' audience would have understood the word. For them, the heart controlled everything, everything in your life, everything that you thought, everything that you felt, everything that you did. It controlled everything. No offense to all of you country music fans out there, of whom I am chief. But the Israelites' understanding of the heart did not come from big I 107.9. No, they had a larger, more comprehensive role for the heart. A larger, more comprehensive role for the heart. Their understanding of the heart came from passages like Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these things I command you today shall be on your heart. For the Israelites, the heart was not just a metaphor for feelings. The heart included feelings. It was more than that. It had commands. It had action. The heart controlled everything. It's really important Really important that we nail this down, that that's clear in your mind. Because Jesus compares the heart to treasure. When he compares our hearts with our treasure, he's showing that our treasure affects everything too. What we find most valuable will set the trajectory for every decision that you make. When he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus' audience, and we should hear, where your treasure is, 
Whatever you treasure, that will affect everything that you feel, everything that you think, everything that you do. Your treasure controls everything. Jesus doesn't want us to miss this. He doesn't want us to miss it. So he's going to actually give us two illustrations to illustrate this point. In verses 22 through 24, he gives us two illustrations to illustrate the point that our treasure will dictate every decision that we make. First, he illustrates what our heart treasures with sight. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. Now, commentators go back and forth on what this phrase means. It, it confuses them. So if you're confused, it's okay. <laughs> the options are, is, it, is the, the eye, does, is it shedding light on the outside world? Is the eye shedding light on the outside world? Or is light passing through the eye into the body? Like I said, commentators go back and forth on this, so don't hurt yourself trying to figure out what it means. Because honestly, I think in either scenario, either option, it's really communicating one point. It's communicating the same point, whatever the interpretation is. And it's that like the heart, our eyesight controls everything that we do. Like the heart, our eyesight controls everything that we do. We get this, right? If I see a green chili cheeseburger, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to eat that thing. Especially if there's bacon on it. If we're hiking in the foothills and I see a rattlesnake, well, I'm going to scream like a child. If my sweet wife, Leah, sees a roach in our backyard while we're eating, oh, it's going to control everything that she does. <laughs> we're not going to be eating outside for a while. Our eyesight controls everything that we do. Everything that we do. What do coaches say? What do sports coaches say? Keep your eyes on the what? On the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. If you keep your eyes on the prize, everything, you, everything else that you will do will serve the purpose of getting to the prize. If you keep your eyes on the state championship, you'll wake up at 6 a.m., you'll eat this and not that, you'll get to practice early and stay late, Everything you do will be dictated because you have your eyes set on a state championship. Your eyes control everything that you do. What does that have to do with our passage? If we keep our eyes on a heavenly prize, your whole body will think, feel, and act based on that heavenly prize and your whole body will be filled with light. But if you keep your eyes on an earthly prize, if you keep your eyes on an earthly prize, your whole body will think, feel, and act based on that earthly prize. And because everything besides God, in comparison to God, is darkness, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Your eye controls everything else you do. 
And the same idea goes for masters. The same idea goes for masters. The second illustration Jesus brings up. Again, we've got to put ourselves in the first century context to understand this. It's an illustration we don't immediately get in the 21st century. But imagine with me. Imagine that you're in the first century and you've racked up a, a debt that you can't pay. You've been trying to stay on top of the bills, but you can't pay that debt. And so what would you do? Well, you would give yourself over as an indentured servant. An indentured servant to be able to pay off that debt. And once you were able to pay it off, you could go free. But until you paid off the debt, what your master said dictated everything that you would do. Whatever the master wanted, you had to do. You were completely devoted to what your master wanted. And here's the point that Jesus wants to get across. You can't be completely devoted to two masters, to two different people. If one master wanted you to pick grapes and the other master wanted you to feed the chickens, you would have to choose who you would listen to. You couldn't be completely devoted to both masters. That's not the way master-servant relationships worked back then. And that's not the way the heart works now. It's not the way the heart works now. There's a throne in each of our hearts. And there's only room for one treasure. There's only room for one treasure. What's sitting on that throne this morning for you? What's sitting on the throne of your heart this morning? Is it money? Is it money? What settles your heart more? The promises of God or what you have in your bank account? I don't think it's random that Jesus brings up money in verse 24. No, I think it was intentional. He knows that money can be used for so many wonderful things, but he also knows it can so quickly rule our hearts. It can so quickly get onto the throne of our hearts. And as long as money is ruling us, we can't enjoy God. As long as money is on the throne of our hearts, we cannot enjoy God. You can serve God and enjoy money, but you can't serve money and enjoy God. Money strips all enjoyment of God because God can only be enjoyed when he's reigning on our hearts. He won't settle for second place. Once he is not on the throne of our hearts, he cannot be enjoyed. So you've got to choose got to choose. Will you serve God or will you serve money? Choose wisely. Choose wisely like the eye and the master what your heart ultimately desires, what it ultimately wants, what it ultimately treasures will dictate everything that you do. It will control your decisions and it will control what or who you put your trust in.
It controls what we put our trust in. Point number two of the sermon is trust. Trust God. We could say, where your treasure is, there your trust will be also. We could say, where your treasure is, there your trust will be also. Because where your valuables are, there your vault will be also, right? Where the valuables are, there is the vault. If your earthly treasure is success, if your earthly treasure is success and you're naturally gifted academically, what will you do? Well, you'll trust in good grades. Trust in good grades to give you that feeling of success. Or if your earthly treasure is to feel loved, if that's all that you want, as I just want to feel loved, and you have a loving family, a wonderful family, a spouse and kids who love you, if that's your earthly treasure, then you'll trust in those family members to provide that earthly treasure. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you're visiting with us, we're so glad you are here. I'm so glad you're here to hear this message. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of protecting your earthly treasure? I mean, if success and good grades is what you're looking to, I hope you are doing well academically, but aren't you tired of trusting in your good grades? If you're not a Christian here this morning and you're trusting in your family members to be able to provide you the love that you're desperately looking for, I hope you have a wonderful family and I hope you feel loved by them, but aren't you tired of trusting in people who disappoint you to provide you what you are looking for? Aren't you tired of feeling anxious about people letting you down? Aren't you, aren't you tired of feeling anxious about things letting you down? You don't have to be anxious anymore. You don't have to be anxious anymore. You can find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are anxious. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus offers you a treasure that cannot be lost. That cannot be compromised. In Christ, you don't have to fight for success anymore. He's your perfect righteousness. And in Christ, you are perfect. In Christ, you don't have to crave others' love. You don't have to crave others' love anymore. Jesus sees everything that you've ever done and everything that you will do, and he still loves you. He still offers you his love. It's not based about what you can give him. It's based upon his love for you, which means you can't lose his love. His love is secure. He offers you a secure love. And in Christ, you can be eternally loved. You can be eternally loved. So turn, turn from a treasure that you have to keep anxiously protecting. A treasure that's not satisfying you. 
Turn to a treasure that satisfies you and will always satisfy you that nothing and no one will be able to get at. And some of that is not connecting for you, but you feel that you are anxious and you feel like whatever you are putting your trust in is not working. You don't have to have all the answers right now. Let's just start a conversation. Like Chase said, we'll be up here at the end of the service and we can just start talking about, hey, what's, what's bothering you? What are you anxious about? We'll pray for you, we'll set up a coffee, we'll set up lunches, we'll even, I'll pay for your lunch. You don't have to pay for my lunch. We'll, uh, I'll buy your lunch and we'll just talk. But let's start a conversation. Don't leave here feeling anxious without talking about something that can provide you eternal joy, eternal rest. Because as long as you keep your treasure on earth, you will be anxious. It's a fact. As long as you keep your treasure here on earth, you will be anxious. Madonna, one of the greatest pop stars of her day, captured this point well in an article for Vogue magazine. She says, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Feeling special, feeling like a special human being was her treasure. And because she was gifted musically, what did she do? Well, she wrote songs. She wrote songs to protect that treasure of feeling special. So each lyric, each melody served as bodyguards to protect her feeling like a special human being. We're not that different. We're not that different. If your treasure is on earth, then your trust will be on earth. And if your, treasure, and if your trust is on earth, you should be anxious. You should be anxious. Because no matter how well you think you've protected that treasure, there's always a loophole. There's always a loophole through the security system that you've set up to protect your treasure. There's always a loophole to be able to get to your treasure. No matter your GPA or how faithful your family is, there's always a loophole. It reminds me of the movie Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, where this team is trying to get into three different vaults, three different uh, casino vaults, um, one being the Bellagio Casino, and what they show, one of the fascinating things I think about the film is that they show all the different measures, all the different ways they are protecting that vault. That the casino is protecting their vault. There's so many different things they've set up to be able to keep people from getting to the vault. But we know how these movies work, right? And no matter how many levels of security they've set in place, what is there? There's always a loophole. There's always a loophole to get 
to the treasure. Friend, brothers and sisters, no matter how many layers of protection you've put in place, no matter the level of security you think you have, there's always a loophole to earthly treasure. So don't lay up treasures on earth. Don't lay up treasures where there are loopholes. No earthly treasure is safe. No earthly treasure is safe. Which means you'll always be anxiously looking for where the loophole is or may be. What if I fail the test and I'm unsuccessful? What if my kids rebel and I feel unloved? You may not recognize it, but you can spend a whole day making decisions out of fear. Out of fear, just trying to protect the treasure that you have. Trusting in other things that you know are not foolproof. For you, for you, if you have your treasure here on earth, this is how verse 25 reads. If your treasure is on earth, Jesus says, therefore, be anxious about your life. Be anxious about what you will eat and what you will drink. Be anxious about what you will put on. Be anxious about your body. Is not your, li- is not your earthly treasure hanging by these earthly threads. But if you treasure God, then you can trust God when you fail the test. And when your kids rebel, you can still trust him. You're going to cry. You're going to cry. You may cry for decades. There may be some tears that will never be wiped away until heaven but you will still be able to trust the Lord. How? How can you trust the Lord then? Because you know your treasure is safe. You know your treasure is perfectly safe with Jesus in heaven. Colossians 3, our life, our treasure is hidden with Christ in God. He's protecting your treasure and there's no loopholes in heaven's security system. No loopholes. It's perfectly safe. You're never going to find a loophole. Your treasure is safe in heaven. It's safe in heaven. And your God will provide for you on earth. He will provide for you on earth. While we live in a broken world, a broken world with thorns and thistles. We will all suffer. Some here are suffering more than others. And I wish I could just, I could look at each one of you and we could sit down and I could hear how each one of you are suffering. I know you guys are going through so much. Where's the hope? There's hope, but where is the hope? We grieve, we grieve, but not like those who have no hope, but where is the hope? 
that our God will provide for us. We have that hope. Our God will provide for us. He will provide everything that we need to experience our heavenly treasure. Everything that we need to experience our heavenly treasure. He will bring us safely home to heaven. He will do it. He will give you exactly what you need to make it safely home to heaven. So don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Just look at the birds. Just look at the birds. As I've been preparing for this message, I've been looking at a lot of birds this week. And let me tell you one thing that I haven't seen. I haven't seen any birds with a bucket sowing seeds. And I haven't seen any birds on a combine harvester reaping berries. I haven't seen any birds near a barn gathering worms into a silo. And yet our Heavenly Father has been doing what? Feeding them. Directing worms and insects so that the birds can see them. He's been sovereignly orchestrating assembly lines of bird bird feeders and planning for our neighbors to buy a bunch of them. We have a neighbor who has a ton of bird feeders. I think they're supplying half of the birds here in Albuquerque. Why does God do this? Because he cares for them. The birds are valuable to him. Desert Springs. I'm all for birds, but Jesus did not die on the cross for them. No, he died on the cross for you. Are you not of more value than birds? If Jesus cares about birds that he did not die for, how much more will he care about you who he did die for? He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. How could he? How could he forget you? He died for you. How could your heavenly father forget you? He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. He will never forget you. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. He sees you. Do not be anxious. Look at the birds and consider the lilies. Consider the fact that God arrays lilies in fields that no one will ever see. There are lilies that no human eye will ever see and God continues to array them with glory and splendor. Consider how he buries the bulb deep under the ground. Consider how he nourishes the soil so that the lilies can grow. Consider how he clothes some lilies with red and pink and purple and white. Consider Solomon. Consider Solomon, the most regal king in Israel's history. The guy whose closet looked like men's warehouse. Consider that he was not arrayed like these flowers. Consider if God cares for grass that's temporal, how much more will he care about you who are eternal? Don't be anxious. Your treasure is safe in heaven and God knows what you need on earth to experience your heavenly treasure. He knows exactly what you need 
every meal, every article of clothing. He knows exactly what you need to experience your heavenly treasure. He sees and he will provide. You can trust him. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. There's no moth on Monday that can destroy your treasure and there's no thief on Tuesday that can steal your treasure. It's perfectly safe. It's perfectly safe. You don't have to fear anything on earth this week because you have everything in heaven. There's nothing that can happen this week on earth that can affect your treasure in heaven. It is safe forever. Forever. So enjoy your lunch this afternoon. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Take a nap this afternoon. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Look at the birds. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Consider the lilies. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Trust God today because your treasure is safe with him. You have a trustworthy treasure forever. Let's pray. Father, we don't deserve any of that. We don't deserve the opportunity to enjoy a treasure that can never be taken away from us. And yet you, you, you loved us. You gave us your only son so that we could be able to experience a joy, a joy that surpasses every other joy here on earth. A joy that reaches to the heavens and a joy that can never be taken away. In your son's name, amen.